The Professional Carbon Cleaners and Restorers podcast informs companies just like yours why we need to do this together. This free service allows you to obtain business insights to help develop and grow your company to allow for a better lifestyle. Together we have the ability to provide valuable insights, knowledge, guidance and personal resources accumulated over many years. This podcast is developed for you to claw back your valuable time and hopefully help with your forward goals. This podcast is all about giving back. No strings attached, no funny business, no get-rich-quick schemes, but simply to provide some of mine and our amazing co-hosts their wisdom, stories, and hopefully some valuable insight. Together, we have the ability to grow, sustain, and provide a healthy work-life balance for all the cleaners and restorers. As this is totally free, please subscribe, write a review, and share this podcast today. Now onto the show. Okay, so welcome along to this fortnight's podcast, everyone. Today we've got a special guest in Darren Dean. Now, Darren Dean um, comes to us via business finance. Um, so he's a broker and looks after both vehicle and equipment finance. So our conversation today is going to be around that and education, um, some do's and don'ts. I suppose we will have some good stories he can tell us um, and beneficial had a beneficial uh, what we're doing as a as an industry. So, welcome, Darren, and thanks so long for for coming along. And maybe we'll just start with a little bit about yourself and how long you've been in the industry and how you got started and how we can how we can do things with the industry today. Uh, thanks, Phil. Um, and by way of introduction, my name's Darren Dean. I'm from Blue Fire Finance. We uh, uh, do vehicle and equipment finance. Um, been in the game since 2016. So uh, five years now and been working with uh, your industry probably for, for four and a half years through, uh, through Toby and uh, Carpet Cleaners Warehouse. So um, who have used me to provide finance to the industry and that's where I got my start with the carpet cleaning industry. How's it been going for you with Toby? Um, did you have to learn a fair bit coming into the industry? Was it different to what you knew or... Uh, Is it sort of pretty much the same finance for equipment and vehicles, or how'd that come about? It's a little uh, sort of specialise in that now, don't you? Yeah, yeah. So all we do is equipment finance. Yeah. Uh, and I guess we'll go into that a bit later on, and, and what the benefit of that is. But we don't do mortgages, and and, and we don't do uh, finance to buy business. It's all about equipment. So when uh, when my first introduction to to Toby was was um, uh, through a discussion around equipment finance, around truck mounts and the like. So that lent itself very well. That lent itself uh, really well to what we did as a business. So uh, I did have to learn the industry in regards to some of the quirks and uh, some of the nuances uh, within the industry in regards to how things get done. Um, but yeah, that, that's been a learning over the last, say, four and a half years, which uh, I think I'm well on top of now. And um, and done quite a few deals through not only Toby but through a range of suppliers within the industry that now now choose okay. to um, uh, to call on me for my services, so which is great. How, how do you find? Um, I suppose the question is, why would someone come to a broker other than their business bank? How do you find that question if it's asked to you? Yeah, that's that's a very good question. Um, 
the true answer to that is that uh, 99% of the businesses in your industry or, or you know, say 90% of the business in your industry don't have a relationship with a bank. Uh, right. There aren't many businesses that have a relationship with a the bank these days. Uh, you typically find that larger businesses, you know, 10, 20, 50 million have a relationship with their bank, but small businesses under a couple of million um, may, on the whole, not have a relationship with any funder uh, right. or any bank. Um, the closest they get to a, a bank is maybe their home mortgage. Okay. Uh, but from a business banking point of view, there's very little relationships. There are very few relationships out there with, with a mainstream banker. Again, look, I'll detest to that as well. Like um, when I started my business, my business is only 10 years old. When I started my business, the same thing. I went out a, uh, a meeting with the actual branch manager and sort of said to him, look, this is what we're doing. And one of the first questions I ask is, what do you think your annual turnover is going to be? Yeah. You know, starting a new business, you can't say $20 million. Um, and it seems to be, unless you are up in that sort of echelon of money coming through their bank, they sort of don't want to talk to you. Um, I've been quite lucky myself. I've um, got a very good business relationship with my business manager, but a lot of people don't get that. And um, like I've got her mobile number. She contacts me. She gets back to me. Um, but as you said, a lot of people don't have that connection. And I suppose it'd be the same with you. Like, uh, you know, you want to get that connection with business owners as well, don't you? Like it's a two-way street. If we go way back, you know, 20, 30 years ago, people had, no matter the size of their business, they had a relationship with the bank manager. That yeah. bank manager bank manager could make arbitrary decisions and, and tick off, you know, an application and, and the money would be there in your bank account ready to go. Uh, with the costs associated with having those relationships and with the closing of branches, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, mm. those relationships are now only for uh, larger style customers Absolutely. or customers of means or, uh, you know, a customer with multiple properties that has other business, other banking that warrants, you know, someone looking after them. Um, and let's face it, the vast, vast, vast majority of this industry uh, are small business and they just don't get access to, to anybody uh, at a bank. Uh, and in a way, that's that's my role. I be, I became I become that person in their in their business, which is uh, someone they turn to to ask questions about finance, to seek finance, to um, you know structure things differently. Um, um, and that's that's a role I take uh, I take great heart in. Um, being that person that people people come to, so I get that's a really good point you put um, with how it used to be and how it is now. With and you're, you're exactly right. Um, banks closing down, the roles are changing inside banks as well. It's it's all about selling a mortgage now. It's not about that small business owner. Um, and, and I guess that role that you've now taken on is, I suppose, unique. It's a disruptor of a certain degree because the banks themselves have let that go. You know they've sort of haven't put that priority on small business owners and that's where you come in. So when's the best time for someone to actually contact you? Uh, it can never be too early. Okay. Um, some uh, majority of time it's <laughs> not majority, but uh, quite often it's too late, right? So um, someone wants to do something and get it picked up on, on, on the weekend and they're calling me on Thursday. <laughs> um, uh, when people call me and, and I say, oh, when, look, when are you looking to do something? 
I could get any answer, right? So, oh, no, I really, it's really urgent. I really want to get something done. Okay, so what sort of time frame you got? They go, oh, maybe, uh, uh, you know, June next year. All right, so their urgency and my urgency are always different. Um, <laughs> and um, so you can't call me too early, right? Because if you need to do something and it's imminent, then let's get started. Um, yeah. Don't go out shopping finding a vehicle, uh, finding a truck mount, finding equipment, and then come to me. Come to me first. Come to a broker first and say, what are my options? You know, I'm looking to buy or you know, buy some equipment. I'd like to finance it. You know, what are my options? Um, that leads actually right to the next question. What are some of the options? I guess, you know, let, let's can we run through a few of these options and scenarios? Yep. Uh, and again, we'll keep it on the small small business side of things first. Let's just call it, you know, under ten staff. Mm-hmm. Um, so you might be looking at maybe two vehicles, maybe three at the most. Um, let's say a lot of companies do this. They start off and they buy their second hand vehicle with whatever funds they can. What what if they've been in operations for under two years? What's this two year number that you hear of? I'll try and answer that in a way whereby when I get a phone call, yep. what's important to me to, to, to understand straight off the bat, right? So I get a phone call or I make a phone call to, a, to an opportunity that someone's provided me and I'll ring them up and say, G'day, Bob, uh, it's Darren from Blue Fire Finance. Looking, you're looking to get finance? Yes, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, can I ask you a couple of quick questions? The first question I ask is, have you got an ABN? Right. Now, my expectation is they're going to say yes. All right. Um, I don't speak to too many people uh, that don't have an ABN. And quite frankly, I don't do finance for, for um, non-business use. So if you don't have an ABN, it's um, uh, I don't tend to deal with those people. Is there an option for those people? Sorry. Is there- uh, y- yes, there is. Uh, uh, and that could be, for argument's sake, a, um, uh, a PAYG real estate agent. So a PAY real estate agent is getting a wage and a car allowance. They are classified as an individual with business use. So I can do that. And I can do a a Chattel mortgage, which is um, predominantly what we do in equipment finance, which is the old uh, higher purchase. So my first question is, have you got an ABN? Yep. I look it up, see how long it's been going. Has it been going for two years or under? And that's like a fork in the road. All right, so we're having a conversation with someone with a, an ABN under two years. We have a different conversation than if we have a conversation of over two years. Then immediate, immediately I can see if they're GST registered. Okay, yeah. Then my next question is, as a director of that business, uh, do you rent or have a mortgage? All right. So that then, if I get two years ABN, two years GST, and they have a mortgage, they pretty much qualify for a low doc application or a streamline application. Don't get, don't, don't make the mistake of thinking a low doc loan is high interest. Uh, when I grew up, you know, 20, 30 years ago, you'd hear low doc loans and they were, they were extraordinary uh, interest rates. Uh, low doc and streamline are designed to use certain criteria to streamline the process. And if you tick these boxes, uh, they'll tend to throw some money at you. Okay. Right? The only, only thing you need to have then is a clear credit file. 
Okay. So if we get a two-year ABN, two-year GST, asset-backed or have a, have a mortgage um, or asset-backed, own property outright, uh, and a clean credit history, then we're pretty much right to go for, for any, any kind of finance up to... You know, seventy-five, one hundred fifty thousand dollars, right? Okay. So, what what is the maximum there? Is it one hundred and fifty, or can you go more? Or? Different funders have different different limits. So, okay. some have a seventy-five threshold under under low dock. Right. Others have up to one hundred fifty thousand dollars for a vehicle under low dock. Um, so, different lenders have different different um, uh, criteria and how they'll how they lend their money. But yeah. more importantly, more importantly. Going back to that, uh, to your question in regards to um, uh, that I started with, if they don't have a two-year ABN, yeah, right, so I'm now, I'm now operating with a, a less than two-year ABN. Yep. I'm then looking initially, and then I ask, then I find out if they're GST registered. Uh, once again, another fork in the road. So a two-year, less than two-year ABN, no GST registration, uh, a renter, and you know, maybe a bad credit history, right? You 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 stumbled onto a good one there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but in an industry like the the the, uh, the carpet cleaning industry, uh, there's a lot of people out there that are good, good human beings, good uh, good operators, just made some bad choices in their life oh. potentially before, or, or or had some had some tough uh, scenarios that they had to deal with in the past. So. It doesn't mean we can't get them finance. It just means we have to now look at that application differently and find a funder that's uh, that's happy to do that finance, right? So I often say to people, don't second guess what I can and can't do. Don't prejudge what you think is, a, is out there for you because there's funders. I know it's a podcast, so you can't see this, but if you think of a line going from left to right, on the left-hand side of that line is ANZ or the banks or the majors. Mm-hmm. Up the other end, on the right-hand side, are the, the guys that will break your legs if you don't pay, all right, <laughs> um, and charging you uh, exorbitant interest. But there's a place for every one of those lenders. And as you go from left to right, the interest rate goes up. Okay. But as the interest rate goes up, their, their desire to lend to you increases or their appetite for risk increases. So I'm doing deals uh, at, at all points along those, uh, those funders, right? Right from the, the majors right up to the guys that will charge you, you know, 20 30% interest. The reason they exist is because no one else will do those deals. And the reason that you might take out that deal is because uh, it'll allow you to trade, it'll allow you to, to take on a contract, it'll allow you to, to get out of a hole, the, the interest that you're paying is just the cost of doing business yeah. based upon your particular circumstances. So um, one, of the, one of the things that happens in my industry a lot is that people ring me up or, or I speak to them and the first thing they'll, they'll, they'll ask, well, what's your interest rates? I don't have an interest rate. I'm a broker. <laughs> I have access to all the interest rates. And... I haven't found a nice way of saying this, so forgive me for saying it like this, but you get the rate you deserve. Yeah. Right? So whatever your application looks like, there's a place out there for that uh, for that finance. But it may not be at the rate that you want. Um, 
And interesting, interestingly enough, I've I've had customers talk about rate, and I say, well, look, uh, I can get you this for, for you know 12, 13 percent. Oh, that's that's a lot. Okay, so what do you think's a fair rate? Oh, well, maybe based upon this, blah, 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 maybe nine. Right? I say, well, you're not going to get nine, but do you know the difference in repayments between nine and 13? And the answer is no. Yeah. So how can you be so uh, uh, emotional about this rate if you don't know the difference, right? And I know where I'm taking them on this conversation. And then we do the numbers and say, look, difference between nine and, and 13 for a, for a truck mount or a, or a portable piece of equipment or whatever it is at 15 grand or 30 grand might only be 10 to $50 a month difference. Right. And if you break that down, that could be you know, less than $2 a day. So put in perspective, right, all of a sudden I've, I've alleviated their concerns about a higher interest rate and now we can then potentially get on and, and get the deal done. That's right. So um, the money. As a broker, I get paid at any interest rate. I, I, don't, I don't lead people to a higher interest rate because I get paid more. It doesn't work that way. Okay. Um, and that's a good point too, so people to know. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, what's my vested interest in going with one funder over another? It's to get the deal done, and I know that the other funders aren't aren't interested. Because when I get a deal, I uh, across my desk, the first thing I need to do is discount who's not going to do it. Because as I go along from left to right, I go, they're not going to do it. 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 They might do it, right? They will do it. So I'm now at that point of time along that linear line between the highs and the lows uh, of funders at where they'll do it. And in, in essence, everybody after them will do that deal now because they're open to that risk. Right. All right. So, so my job is to find that, that funder right on that line where they will and won't do it and try to figure out where my options are. So when I'm, when I'm down to that point, I'm only talking about one or two or three deals, uh, three funders out of my you know, 25 or 30 funders I've got. They're still that 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 twenty five to thirty funders aren't still on the table. I'm now focusing on okay, which one of these two or three around this area will will do the deal best for this customer based upon these particular uh, application yeah criteria uh, circumstances yeah. So so can can we go back to then? Uh, we're talking about they've got an ABN. They're under uh, two years in business. They they are GST registered. They're renters, but they have a bad credit history. What what can they do to enhance their, I suppose, um, their outcome? Like, sorry, sorry, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, just to get a win, you know what I mean? Is there is there something they can do, uh, clean their books up? Or what, what is it you suggest if someone just can't get across the line? Is there something that you can then suggest for them to do? Uh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I've I've had a I've had quite a few, but I've had a really really good success story with somebody in your industry, a lady um, okay. who runs a business, and they came to me with an impairment on their credit file. Everything else was looking pretty good, other than the fact that there was this um, mark on their credit file. That credit, that mark on their credit file was from a, a relative using 
a, a credit card or, or a store credit and not, not repaying that loan uh, on their mum's account, right? Yeah. And I don't think, it was a year and maybe a couple of years ago now, I don't know if even if they knew it was on there to start with, right? They might have had a suspicion, but they didn't know. That person and that company was using a particular finance company and their rates were 18 to 20%. She had a couple of loans with them because that's all that, that would that was that they were the only finance company that she thought would deal with her. And she was kind of right, right? Because with her with her issues on her credit file that she wasn't addressing, so she must have known about it, but she wasn't addressing at the time, there was very limited options for her. So what what I did is is do what I what I like to think I do is take a holistic look at everything and say, right, this is what we need to do in order to improve your uh, access to finance. Yep. So what we did is I've got, I've got a couple of different uh, credit repair companies out there that I use. A credit repair company will, will go into your credit file and remove any um, uh, marks on your credit file that shouldn't be there or weren't put there using the correct process. No. So apparently, there's a lot of marks on people's credit files that whereby they didn't cross all the T's and dot all the I's to put that mark on your credit file. So these credit repair companies know that that uh, financial institutions or other or other uh, institutions out there putting marks on people's credit files, they do it in a, uh, a haphazard way, if you like, right, to save money or otherwise, because majority of people that have marks on their credit files aren't going to fight it. So we we engage with a credit repair company. I think it cost maybe it's a no no fee no win, but it might have costed might have cost fifteen grand uh, fifteen hundred dollars to get it removed. Yep. But that's more than that's more than paid itself. That's paid itself multiple times over by now accessing yeah future finance. Yeah, future fend, fending, uh, lending. So there's a, an in, instance whereby a customer comes to me and, we, and they're now in much better position because we took the time to, well, I took the time to explain the benefits of repairing a credit. She bought into that. She agreed to, 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 to fund that uh, if they were successful with a, with a no fee, no win if they, um, uh, if they, didn't, if they weren't successful. Um, so she bought into that and she's repaired a credit. And by repairing a credit, she now has access to mainstream funders now at significantly less rates. I mean, that's a great story. That's, um, yeah. And again, unless you have that conversation, you're not going to know. So, yeah, and uh, I often wonder, she already had finance. So um, I can't recall how, what, and where she got that finance. But I'm, I'm going to make an assumption that she potentially used another broker or, or, or somebody out there, uh, maybe a mortgage broker uh, who doesn't really have an interest in long-term equipment finance deals with them. Um, but it wasn't repaired. Mm. Right? So, and, and if she hadn't bumped into me, what would her position be now? Yeah, absolutely. So I take great, great pride in the fact that I wonder there's a lot of people out there that I think if they hadn't bumped into me, <laughs> who would they have turned to and, and where would they be now? 
Now, there's other brokers out there, right? Um, which probably leads me to my a point I wanted to make today is a broker is not a broker is not a broker. Mm-hmm. When there's a lot of people out there that just think a broker is is just a broker, right? They don't know the the difference between a uh, uh, the different style of broker. So going to the wrong broker will get you the wrong wrong result. Um, there's essentially three brokers broker types out there. There's the mortgage broker that does mortgages and um, will finance uh, you buying a house. There's a commercial finance broker that does uh, commercial finance to buy businesses and to uh, buy commercial premises. All right? And then there's an equipment finance broker, which a which, um, uh, technical term is an asset finance broker. The mortgage guy can do assets, but he palms it off to someone in the middle of their office and they really only want to do wheeled assets, vehicles, because they're easy. Uh, you give them a truck mount or a used truck mount private sale from a from a uh, another business. They've got no idea how to how to go about that. They may they'll flick it off to someone internally. They'll have no idea how to do it, and then they may flick it off to somebody else who's a specialist in that area that looks after you know a hundred brokers. That's not a good outcome for a small business. Uh, a commercial finance broker they won't get out of bed unless it's a million buck deal, right? So or a half a million dollar deal. They're not looking to do a, a $30,000 or a $40,000 truck mount. They, they don't have the funders and they don't have the appetite to do that. So if someone says, hey, use, I know a broker, use, use him, and they go to one of those two brokers to do a, a piece of equipment, uh, that's potentially not going to lead to a, a, a good outcome, either in a timely summation of the opportunity or, or an outcome mm. at, at all. And that's where equipment finance come, come uh, an asset finance broker comes in. All we do is equipment uh, from two and a half thousand dollars up to you know a couple of million dollars. Uh, as long as it's got a serial number or a VIN, we can finance it. Okay. All right. So if it can be identified, if we can point at it and say that's what I want to finance, and that's how I identify it with a uh, a serial number or, or an identifying number. Uh, that's equipment finance. And I have access to finance companies that only do equipment finance that the public's not ac- public cannot access directly. And the majority of mortgage brokers or commercial finance brokers aren't accredited with. So just on that, um, I suppose putting it into the cleaning and restoration um, dialogue. You said a broker is not a broker is not a broker. It's the same with cleaners. Cleaners aren't cleaners that are cleaners. Yeah. You know, you might be a cleaner, but you might specialize in a particular area, body cleanups, fluid, whatever, biohazards, that sort of stuff. So mm-hmm. going on those same lines, if people look at brokers the same way, they can get that idea. Now you yeah. said that um, two and a half thousand to millions of dollars in finance is two and a half thousand. Is that the lowest anybody can finance? And over what time? Ah, uh, look, it, you could probably do lower, but the old saying, I I wouldn't get out of bed for anything under two and a half grand <laughs> is, is a bit of a joke. But um, uh, to be quite honest, two and a half grand is kind of around uh, credit card okay. uh, uh, territory, right? Um, because there's some fixed cost in borrowing, right? There's some fixed cost in asset finance. There's an application fee. Um, uh, 
and that application fee can eat into that yeah you know, application pretty quickly right yeah um and so if you if you've got two and a half grand and there's also other ways there's other uh, afterpay and and uh hum you know there's a lot of a lot of vendors of equipment now have some sort of buy now pay later facility set up for those uh amounts under two and a half grand right, right. Uh, can i do something under two and a half grand yeah 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 absolutely but i then i then become i don't become competitive in those areas right if i'm charging interest or otherwise or fees and charges for a two and a half grand purchase and it can be done through a um an afterpay uh with no fees and, and charges yeah, absolutely yeah. then you know what value what value am i adding and that's the thing i don't want to be trying to grab a deal because i, I want a deal and then someone questions me on that's going to cost me more so well there are there are alternatives and i will discuss those alternatives with people uh or we say you know are you looking to buy anything else or find, you know and then you know, group up another bit of gear or you know let's get it up to five thousand or, or ten thousand and, and now we've got a, a deal that actually makes sense me doing or, or makes sense coming to a, a an equipment finance guy so as a broker do you have conversations with business owners, say accountants or any of those things to make sure they can afford this stuff? Or is that sort of something that you do to make sure they can afford this? How does that process work? Uh, a good question. I'm always open to having chats to their accountants, right? But a lot of the time when we're talking about applying for finance, we're not delving into your financials. We, we, we're actually not, the finance company is not, asking you or delving into the fact of whether you can or can't afford it, which right. sounds crazy, right? Mm. Um, it sounds crazy, but they, over the years, the finance companies have wanted to make this process easier and cheaper for them to lend money. And by doing that, they've, they've come up with a, a matrix or an internal way of making decisions, which says if you can tick these boxes and satisfy a criteria based upon your credit file and your credit score will just lend you the money, right? So there's very, very few deals I do in your industry whereby we use financial information. Okay. Which sounds funny. It sounds weird, doesn't it? <laughs> right? And that's why I don't want people second guessing what they can and can't do. Yeah. Right. A lot of, a lot of people in your industry take a lot of cash. That's, that's reducing now. Right. But, there's a lot of people take cash, can't show any money or, or not paying GST and are concerned about what they can and can't do with finance. So, um, But there's options out there. Um, there's better options if we use financials, but let's face it, there's not many people that want to go down that track to get a better rate and have their financials scrutinised, which aren't going to hold up anyway. Okay. So, so when you're looking at... Uh, vehicle and equipment uh, packages. Mm -hmm. um, so someone goes and buys a vehicle, then comes and gets a truck mount or vehicle truck mount same time. What's the the optimum? And with the accessories that go along, let's say you buy a truck mount, the truck mount itself might be thirty five, the vehicle might be forty five, <laughs> but the accessories could be thirty thousand dollars as well. So is that all one package that can be done at once, or what's what's the process on that? That's very specific to your industry, that question. Yeah. Uh, over the years, 
it's a little less scrutinized right at the moment. That that can always change. But over the years, you could do whatever you want, right? You finance anything. Over the last four or five years, finance companies would say, oh, a truck mount. What's that going into? Yeah. And you say, oh, it's, uh, it's either an, an own vehicle outright or I, I just financed a vehicle from Toyota. And that's a big problem, right? Okay. Um, so when people come to me and they say, oh, I've just financed a vehicle through Toyota, now I want to get my, my truck mount organised. The problem with that is that finance companies look at the security and how they're going to get their asset back. A truck mount gets bolted into the back of a vehicle and becomes what they call, technically called a fixture of that vehicle. So it becomes part of the vehicle. So if the vehicle that a truck mount's going into is owned by, uh, uh, under finance by another bank, by Toyota, and if they finance a truck mount into it, it gets bolted, becomes one, and then the, the, um, the borrower defaults on their loan and, and stops paying, the finance company is concerned about how they get their asset back because that's now inside the van, it's become the van, Toyota come along and they repossess the van and take it off to Pickles, right? Mm -hmm. And the next finance company's going, where's my truck mount? And the guy's going, oh, it got repossessed and it's in the van. And that becomes a bun fight. Right. So uh, how do they get their gear back? I'm, I'm sure it's not impossible, but finance companies don't want to play that game down the track, right? They want to make sure their asset is independent of anything else, right? That way... The term chattel means independent asset. Okay. Right? So it, it, it means separate. So as soon as something becomes part of another, another piece of equipment, it gets bolted to it, it becomes a fixture. So it's no longer a, a chattel. It's no longer, a, like chattel is maybe a French word or whatever. Um, uh, and chattel, it's no longer chattel. So it can't fit a chattel mortgage. That, and I, and I say it's not such a problem now because the, the funders have stopped asking that question specifically, or they seem to have stopped asking that question specifically, but it was a real issue there for, for quite a while within the industry where people would go out and finance something through Toyota. And of course, Toyota can't do the truck mount. Yeah. So if that is a problem, if that is a bit of an issue, right? How do you negate that? Well, first and foremost, you treat the whole the whole thing as a, as, a, as a package deal and think, okay, I want to buy a vehicle, I want to buy a truck, man, I want to buy some equipment. Let me get my finance sorted out up front and do it all together um, with the one funder um, because then you've got more buying power, um, you get better service. Um, there's a whole range of benefits around doing that, but the main thing is, is that you're not going to fall into a, a trap of getting your, your nice, cheap Toyota finance, but then you can't get your, tr your truck mount finance. Uh, and to get around that, in, in some instances, we've had to organise um, uh, slides, have a slide in, you know, okay, yeah. on, a, on a slide in, slide out basis and prove that. Or we've had to get the truck mount um, um, yeah, on a trailer, all right? Okay. Uh, which can be, yeah, I, I don't like to have those issues because now I'm the bad guy, right? People coming to me to do some finance and I can't do what they want. Yeah, on the bad guy, or I can't do it for them, and then all of a sudden they're talking to somebody else and not telling the truth on their finance application, which is um, 
you know, fraught with danger in itself. So, so the, the other part of that is the consumables. So the consumables like chemicals and all that, they don't have a serial number. Correct. So is that something you can or can't finance as a package deal? You, the answer is no. You can't finance intangibles, right? So uh, you can't finance detergents and, uh, and um, um, chemicals, and et cetera, et cetera. But you can finance up to 20% of a deal in soft costs, which is wands and hoses and things like that. So um, 80% needs to be serialized and, and, and substantial equipment. And then uh-huh. you can do uh, 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 up to potentially 20% of soft costs, which enable you to do you know, lots of things um, in finance that, that aren't quantifiable. All right? um, okay. Could you slip some chemicals in there? Probably, but yeah, not 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 really. Okay, no, I mean that's fair enough. So the okay, so you've you've had a vehicle five years. Your lease is up. Yep. Um, your truck mount is still good. Now, is there a balloon on these things, or do you have to pay one out to get rid of a the vehicle? Can you just keep the truck mount, put on a new van? How, how's all that system work? Or if I want to sell that truck mount, yep. how do I then go about selling that truck mount to finance a new, how do we get a value, I suppose? Okay. Um, so balloons are, are a real thing. So uh, when someone wants to get a setup that's worth 70, 80 grand, we can put a balloon at the end of that of you know, $20,000, $30,000, right? Yeah. Which helps reduce the payments. You may be able to order a bigger piece of equipment because the, the you know put a balloon on it um and at the end of that process you've got to pay out that balloon all right um and if you've got the balloon on the vehicle and the truck mount then you'd need to you know refinance that and, and continue on right so there's not a lot of people that i come across that uh, update equipment or their truck mounts after five years once they've paid them off they they normally like to celebrate and uh, and then yeah, use it or yeah, um, debt free if you like. So, um, but if you did want to split them up and go again, then there's always going to be some options. Okay. Um, it does probably lead me into discussing another is- issue for the industry is um, uh, people selling their 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 setups, so their vehicle and their truck mounts. Uh, there's there's quite a lot of yeah. At any time, there's quite a few uh, setups out there for sale. Uh, so a business is either looking to upgrade the whole setup or get out of the industry completely. Uh, that's a difficult thing to finance. Okay. Not impossible, but difficult, right? That's when you really need me, all right? Uh, you, you need someone who knows the industry. You need someone who's done it before, and you need someone who's going to be able to take you through that process. Um, uh, I've got one at the moment uh, that's, looking to buy a uh, an existing truck mount. He doesn't know where it's going to come from at the moment. So um, uh, that's a little tricky, right? So let's talk about a scenario, a real scenario that I've, that I've done before. And I've got a couple or at least one on the go at the moment. Uh, you know, Bob's cleaning service, carpet cleaning service, got a set, a set up that wants to sell it. It's got it on Gumtree. Uh, someone interstate wants to buy it. Uh, and wants to get it financed, right? The the whole finance setup is going to be, you know, the purchase might be thirty thousand dollars. 
made up of a, a van and, and truck mount. Uh, the book value of the van might be you know, 10 grand and the, uh, the attributed uh, value of the truck mount might be uh, 20 grand to that, to that sale. Getting the, getting the applica, applicant finance or getting the, 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 the buyer finance isn't the problem. The problem is, is that the, 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 asset, the finance company looks at that asset and says, essentially what they see is they see a van. They don't see the truck man inside it. They see a van. They go, that's a, uh, that's a 2001 Pi-Ace. All right. They look, they look up the glasses guide and say that's, that value is about, you know, whatever, 15 grand. We'll lend you 15 grand. You say, yeah, but it's got a truck mount in the back. Well, we don't know the value of that. It's like saying it's got a really good stereo in it. Well, they kind of don't value the stereo. So how do we do it? We have to get the truck mount independently valued. Now, that's a process in itself. Okay. And it, there's a cost to it. The reason we have to get it valued is because, essentially the reason is because bad people came before us, right? Um, doing fraudulent things. People in, in years gone by have gone, hey, buy my, uh, buy my truck mount, buy my van and truck mount. It's, um, it's you know, it's, it's, it was on the ark with Noah, right? But, but we'll sell it to you for 40 grand, right? And we'll just, and, and that way you can get the money back that, I, uh, that you owe me or whatever, right? So, and then the finance company would finance it and the asset itself was worthless. Right, that's yeah. that's what's gone on in the past, right? So we're all paying for the sins of all these people doing the wrong things in the past, whereby the value of any equipment finance needs to be verified. If it's going through a dealer, i.e. the truck mount is being sold by uh, uh, one of the reputable dealers out there, um, it's not a problem, right? Because the finance company believes... Uh, that the uh, a, a dealer of equipment will know the value of a secondhand unit and will sell it at a, at, a, at a reasonable price. They don't trust the individual's business selling a truck mount to tell them what it's worth. Right. Uh, so we have to have it independently assessed. So we need to get a valuer from either Pickles Auctions or Slatteries or whoever, all right? We engage them. That could cost anywhere from... $500 to $1,000 to $1,500, depending where you are, for them to assess it. Now, they, they may have to visit, uh, they may have to physically visit, or they can do a desktop valuation. But essentially, we cannot finance that with any reputable finance company that, that you want to deal with without providing them with a valuation. Okay. Once we get the valuation... And you say, yeah, it's worth 20 grand. Like, okay, 20 grand, the vehicle's worth 10, 15. You're selling it for 30, no problem, right? It just becomes a straight deal. All they want to do as a finance company is when the auditor comes, out, comes along in three years' time and says, why did you finance this uh, uh, deal from a private sale? So private sale is you're not a dealer. So you're, you're, you're a business selling it to another business. Um, why did you do this deal if you didn't know the value of it? Oh, there we go. There's the uh, valuation we got from Pickles. No problem. Tick, move on. Right? They're not, they don't care what it's worth as long as they can prove that they've had it independently. Yeah. Assessed. Diligence was done. So, 
Now, who wants to hear that when they're trying to do a deal? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the guy selling it doesn't want to get caught up in that. And the guy buying it doesn't want to pay for it or get caught up in that. But the reality is, if you want to finance that privately, um, that's what's required. Okay. So, so you're doing asset finance broking. Let's say I was going to buy a business, wanted to buy a, a business that had um, equipment in there. Does that mean I have to have two brokers now, one for the commercial side and one? No. So uh, how does that work? You probably still have one, but you're going to be talking to a business uh, commercial broker because you're buying a business. Okay. All right. So there's a lot of goodwill in there. Uh, once again, that deal is all about not knowing the value of the equipment, right? Because the bloke selling it, oh, it's worth 80 grand, all the gear, and a finance company gets it valued and says, well, it's probably worth 20 to us. Right. All right. So, so what the seller thinks their equipment's worth versus what it, the asset is valued out there. And it's valued potentially at fire sale uh, rates, right? Yeah, absolutely. When a finance company values something, uh, they value it as if they get it back today. We're going to send it to Pickles next Wednesday and we're going to auction it off on that day. So whatever the value is that they get on that day is, is, is what, where they value it at. Right. Um, and essentially, you know, you, you probably agree that <clears throat> these things hold greater value for the right person. Absolutely. Uh, if I can take you on a bit of a left field scenario, it's a bit like a catamaran, right? Because catamarans, um, a boat, a catamaran has the same issue, right? A catamaran can be valued at, you know, half a million dollars or $250,000, but they sit there for months and months and months and months until the right person comes along or the weather changes or mm. until it's summer. Um, and it will sell for that figure. You just got to wait for the person to come along. Well, catamarans to finance companies, they don't want to wait around for till summer. <laughs> they value it at what they get next, next Wednesday at Pickles, yeah, okay. which could be 80 grand. So if you can read between the lines, you can, Maybe go to a uh, 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 the local auction house and pick pickles. up the market, right? <laughs> but and again, we're not talking about pickles, but <laughs> yeah, probably right time, right time and place to get those deals. Yeah, yeah, uh, and that's why they go for so cheap, and that's why they value them so poorly because they they're not they're finance companies. They don't have a warehouse to put all this stuff and and put it on uh, marketplace and wait for people to come along and kick the tires and and. Yeah. yeah, have a sales rep there selling yeah. it. Yeah, they'd rather just do the dough and turn it over and and, and get get out of there. Yeah, I understand. So, so if you're buying a business with a bunch of goodwill, you need to come up with the funds in a separate way, and that's either potentially come up with the cash, uh, get a business loan. But it's hard getting a business loan when you don't own a business, right? right. Or you're trying to buy a business, yeah, to buy a job. So, how does it work? It, it, it's not an easy thing to do. Maybe that's another podcast with maybe a commercial business person we can have a chat to about because I think I think that um, I think that's a valid point too because there are a lot of uh, let's call them people retiring, getting out of business, whatever it is, and they do have a local little business, whether it's a cleaning business, carpet cleaning business, whatever it is, and they put it on the market for sale. And again, look. No one has, well, not many people have $100,000, $50,000 just sitting in their bank account. 
for that right opportunity to come along. So I think that's another conversation. So it was very good to clear that up. Um, Darren, we're actually getting to that time in the podcast where we've got to wrap things up. Is there something that you can leave us with? Um, Maybe a good story that you've come across? Um, You know, again, just like the lady that the child, um, you know, had it put a credit rating, bad credit rating. You get something else that you can leave us with sort of to get people to think, you know, this is for me. I can come and reach out, you know. There is a chance for me. Yeah, call me, call a broker, specifically call an equipment finance broker, right? So whether it's me or, or, or another asset finance broker, call them early. Don't don't sit there and think of what you can and can't do or or, or be worried that no one's going to lend you money. There's, there's people out there lending, lending money to all sorts of people. Um, don't worry about rates. Rates, forget rates, right? Um, I get it. I get people want to ask an intelligent question, right? And I don't mean to be condescending when I say that, but when you're talking to a broker, what's what's an what's a intelligent question? I'll ask about rate mm. because it's kind of what we're talking about, right? But it's, yeah, it's intuitive. It's, it's the same with carpet cleaning or cleaning. Yeah. What's your room? Yeah. What? Yeah. How much is it going to cost me without any information? So, yeah, yeah. Well, what's yeah. your room charge? Well, how big's your room and yeah. you know, how many hallways you got and all this sort of stuff. So, so, so you guys get it too, right? You get the you get the question that they ask because they kind of think that's the right question to ask. Don't ask about rate, right? The rates will fall where they are, uh, and we can justify rates. You can justify rates. That the rates that that you're going to get incorporated into your business becomes a tax deduction, or it becomes a cost of business, or it lets you trade. Right. I've seen so many people uh, uh, improve their business enormously by, by investing in a truck mount. Um, so if you've got a cleaning business out there, you're running portables or you're running a portable and you don't think you can get into a truck mount, call me. Let's, let's kick around some ideas. Let's put a plan in place that says, okay, in six months' time, if you can do this, to improve your situation or if we can spend the next six months time getting your credit file right uh let's let's engage in a uh, credit repair company to get rid of those marks on your credit file um yeah, that's what i enjoy i enjoy helping people it sounds corny but yeah i'm getting a bit older now and um i uh i want to be valued and i think that uh the, the, the people that need most help value me more Right. The guys that can just get finance anywhere, they, they're thankful, but they kind of like, yep, Darren, more money, and thank you, and off you go. But the people that, that I'm talking about that don't think they can get money or we, we, we charge a higher interest rate because that's all that will, that's the only finance they can get, they are incredibly appreciative because it makes a massive difference to their, their business and in turn their, um, their income and ultimately their life. Yeah. Mate, well put, well said. Um, information is invaluable. Uh, again, bluefire.com.au. Uh, get a hold of Darren. Uh, contact show notes or have the details. But if they want to get a hold of you, what's the best way to get a hold of you, Darren? Just give me a call. So uh, 0416 Okay. Um, again, thank you for coming along. Uh, great to speak to you. And uh, we'll catch up very shortly. So, Thanks, Bill. Thanks for the opportunity. And um, look, I hope I've um, given someone out there um, uh, some good information or, or even just the confidence to, 
to make the call and 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 see what we can do for them. No, absolutely, mate. And again, just to let people know that you are dedicated to our industry, so you understand our industry, which is a huge plus, massive plus. Yeah. So, so yeah. I could just imagine the the calls to other brokers talking about a truck man or a portable <laughs> or a this or a that. And it's like, yeah. well, that would uh, take them a little bit of time to get over. And I and I know right from Tasmania right up to the uh, up to Queensland. So I've got. Um, different vendors of equipment and, and different suppliers out there all referring business to me. Um, it all started with Toby. So I'm always thankful of, uh, of Toby's uh, input and uh, for entrusting me with his customers. And uh, that's led to me, that's led to me looking after a great deal. And I, I don't know for a fact, but I feel as if I finance more carpet cleaners in Australia than, than anybody else, which may not be true, but that's what it feels like to me. Absolutely. No, thank you very much. Thanks, Phil. We'll catch up soon. Thanks, Darren. Okay, thank you. By assessing this podcast, I acknowledge that the Professional Carpet Cleaners and Restorers podcast makes no warranty, guarantee, or representation as to the accuracy or sufficiency of the information featured in this podcast. The information, opinions, and recommendations presented in this podcast are for general information only, and any reliance on the information provided in this podcast is done at your own risk. This podcast should not be considered professional advice. Unless specifically stated otherwise, the Professional Carpet Cleaners and Restorers podcast does not endorse, approve, recommend, or certify any information, product, process, or surface, or organization presented or mentioned in this podcast. And information from this podcast should not be referenced in any way to imply such approval or endorsement. The third-party materials or content of any third-party site referenced in these podcasts do not necessarily reflect the opinions, standards, or policies of the Professional Carpet Cleaners and Restorers podcast. The Professional Carpet Cleaners and Restorers podcast assumes no responsibility or liability for the accuracy or completeness of the content contained in third-party materials or on third-party sites referenced in this podcast, or the compliance with applicable laws of such materials and all links referenced herein. Moreover, the Professional Carpet Cleaners and Restorers podcast makes no warranty that this podcast or the server that makes it available is free of viruses, worms, or other elemental codes that manifest contaminating or destructing uh, properties. The Professional Carpet Cleaners and Restorers podcast expressly disclaims any and all liability or responsibility for any direct, indirect, incidental, special, consequential, or other damages arising of any individual's use of, reference to, reliance on, or inability to use this podcast or the information presented in this podcast.